Our scripture reading this morning is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is God's word. Well, good morning. Cole is out this Sunday, and so I'm stepping in, and I'm going to be uh, with you this morning, excited to share over these next Uh, Three Sundays, starting here, we're going to be in a short series titled, His Name Shall Be Called. And that is a familiar phrase during the Advent season, a reference to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, which says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end and the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And this prophecy in Isaiah highlights some of the names and titles and roles that Jesus has always possessed, but now is going to specifically embody when on the earth. And our kids' ministry is also covering these names in their Advent series. And so since they're covering Great High Priest, I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning and the mediating work that Jesus accomplished on our behalf and then the ongoing work that he does to intercede for us to God the Father and also the way that he leads us into the world. So we're celebrating Jesus during Advent season taking on flesh dwelling among us. This passage in Hebrews 2 highlights his humanity being one of us and then his role as great high priest. So look at, let's look at those two things this morning. Verse 14 says that since the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, Jesus partook of these same things with us. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. And so from the moment that Jesus is being knit together in Mary's womb, he was completely God and completely human. Somehow as an infant, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, all the fullness of God dwelled in this little baby boy. Jesus doesn't become God at some point in his embodied existence. He doesn't transition into that, he was always both of those realities at the same time. And this is a, this is a marvelous mystery. I'm not sure that I'll fully comprehend it. I'm not sure that those in Christ can fully comprehend this until we're with Jesus face to face. So if you are doubtful or skeptical about Christianity, wouldn't this be a place that you would stumble to a, to a large extent, 
and, and let's not pretend that this is a, a recent doubt, right? When John writes his gospel in chapter 1, he says that to, to those he came, they received him not, right? This is not who we were looking for. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God, Jesus being the imprint of God's nature takes us all the way back to Genesis. Jesus becoming human reaffirms our human dignity. It's a reminder to all of us that we're made in God's image. Remember that when Adam and Eve were created, they were without sin. That means that they were fully and completely human. Their relationships with God, their relationship within themselves, their relationships outside of themselves with other people, and then with all of God's created order. They were all complete. They were naked before each other. There was no clothing or even need for clothing at that point. There was no shame. Remember, once they sinned, they created their own clothing when they hid from God. Remember that when God... Um, intervenes and, and talks about what just happened and after all that goes down, God creates clothing for them before he dismisses them from the garden. So this idea of image bearing is common to all of us and it changes the way that we look at each other for those who proclaim Christ and for those who do not yet. In the New Testament letters, we often will read brothers or brothers and sisters as a greeting or a, a common phrase. And so there is an elevated sense of responsibility, community, awareness, and family for those who are inside of Christ. But no one who has ever been made was formed outside of God's image. And so that leads us away from the temptation. The temptation dismiss those who are outside of Christ or, or to think that anyone is beyond God's grace. Instead, it reminds us of our own sinfulness. And then it leads us towards a desire to see all people embrace Jesus as Lord. Ephesians 2.12 and 13 says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus' humanity changes the way that we look at him, the way that we look at each other, the way that we look at our neighbor. We have these things in common. It makes us desire for all to experience his grace. And so then Jesus is high priest. I'm not, I'm not wearing what you would call priestly clothes. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of disguised up here as a professional. Most of you, when you see me in clothes like these, you want to know what's changed, what is special about this Sunday that you're dressed like this, right? Some of you not knowing that I would bring that up already asked me in the hallway this morning. You know me well enough to know that this is not my typical Sunday attire. And God gives us that discernment, doesn't he? To, to have eyes to see and ears to hear that when we see something that's not normal, we, our attention is peaked. You know when someone's dressed 
for their profession. You know when someone is dressed almost for a profession, but not quite? If you drive through the business park or even, you know, around developed certain shopping centers or whatever it is, you'll, you'll know the difference between a, a police vehicle and a rented security presence, right? We have the discernment to, to understand these things. Well, when this passage talks about Jesus as a high priest, maybe you think about something specific. Priests were the, the religious professionals of that day. And there was prescribed clothing for these folks. Even today, certain denominations have priestly attire. They wear certain things. You can identify them by their clothing. When Jesus was embodied in human form, he, he had some kind of wardrobe. Um, even though there was no shame between him and God, he still wore clothes when he walked the earth for our sakes. But the scriptures tell us in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, that he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus didn't wear priestly clothes on earth and, and people didn't even recognize him necessarily as a priest. They kind of wondered, how did you come here and, 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 and what are you doing that's different than we expected the Messiah to be when he would come? This thread of clothing, pun intended, is throughout the New Testament. Colossians 3 tells us that we're supposed to take off certain things and then put on certain things. We're supposed to take off anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from our mouths. And then once we take those things off, we're literally supposed to clothe ourselves with Christ and his character. We're supposed to put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and love. This is who Jesus was. And then in Hebrews 2.15, it says that Jesus came as high priest to destroy our fear of death. There's a very healthy fear of death. We avoid harm for good reason, right? We, we, we scream at our kids when they try to cross the street without looking both ways, or we've all had that visceral experience where we know harm is in front of us and we want to avoid it. But there's also a fear of death that is really unhealthy, that leads to just extreme anxiety and despair and, and even isolation. And that kind of fear in this passage is described as a form of slavery. And this fear, not just fear of death, is, is a very real feeling across the world. Maybe something we've never experienced in my short or long lifetime, depending on how old you are. Don't let the beard fool you. I'm only 39. I look like I could be on AARP, but not quite. When I was in college, 9-11 happened. My parents lived in northern Manhattan about five miles from ground zero. And I remember that day. That was a day of fear in our country. I remember being in elementary school when the Gulf War happened. That was more of a kind of a sub-global event where pockets of the world were affected by that. And, but now with COVID, we have this global fear, fear all around the world. We're all experiencing the same thing. There's no place that hasn't touched, been touched by this. But when we experience Christ, we're no longer slaves to unhealthy fear. 
Because fear is a, is a dam to the thriving and the flourishing that we found in the Garden of Eden. Fear is, is septic to being fully alive in Christ. Hebrews 10.39 says, We're not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve souls. Jesus desires for us to move out of fear and to move into a place where in spite of that fear, people are coming to Christ. And Jesus helps us, delivers us from this fear, both through his humanity and his role as a great high priest. See, because he took, he partook of the same things, because he was made like us in every respect, because he experienced all things and yet was without sin, he is our true substitutionary atonement for sin. And so we can live like him because he came and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death. But I was telling a friend early in the week that I was going to be talking about Jesus as great high priest. And the next morning, I got an email from this friend and they said, hey, I'm actually, I was actually covering uh, reading through Deuteronomy in my Bible reading plan. And I came across this article. I think that you should read this. It might be helpful to you. And so did you know that in the Old Testament, when Israel went out for war, it was the priest who called them into battle? I didn't know that. See, when I think of a battle, again, when I was finishing high school, entering college, Braveheart was the movie. William Wallace was the guy, right? You'll, you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom, right? The horse and sword and all these things. And, you know, the, the girls loved him. And so, you know, I bought a kill. Just kidding. Didn't do that. But in the Old Testament narrative, here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 to 4. It says, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For Yahweh is your God. Yahweh, your God, is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle. Against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For Yahweh, your God, is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. It wasn't their weapons, their armor that would win the war, it was their confidence through the reminder of the priest that the Lord was with them. The battle's changed a little bit, right? We're not trying to take over a specific piece of geographical territory. We're not, you know, Ephesians tells us that we're not battling against flesh and blood. We're inviting sinners, some hostile to the gospel, into a relationship with the Lord. And we don't accomplish that through battles with, you know, horses and swords and all those things, right? It's not what we're doing anymore. But we're entering full humanity, knowing that Jesus is with us as we go. That we are to be a living sacrifice. We are to be holy and pleasing to God. That, that that's our spiritual act of worship. 
Jesus was fully human. He wore civilian clothes, looked like one of us, experienced all the temptations that we did. That allows us to trust him as we go. But as Jesus becomes the great high priest, he's also the sacrifice. He became sin. Having not known sin, that we would become the righteousness of God. And then that great high priest calls us to go into all nations, to to cover and spread across the globe. To teach everything that he commanded to do. This great high priest asks us to put him on. He promises that he's going to go with us, that he will go before us, that he is the one that will accomplish these things. And then we're called to be his ambassadors. That while we are citizens on earth, we're citizens first of God's kingdom and we aim to see his purposes done in the world. And so as God's holy people, as a priesthood of believers, may we do these things to that end for his glory. Let's pray together. God in heaven, thank you that you promised to be with us That may be a truth that we don't live into fully. I think sometimes we go at it in our own strength. We do it under our own power. We think we're the ones that have to get it done. And yet when you died for us, you said it's finished. And then you said that you would go with us. And you gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. So would you help us to remember these promises that you've given? And would you give us the the courage and the confidence to go into the world, knowing that you call us to do so and you will be there as we go? Help us to align ourselves more to your will and not to our own. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.